For those of you who may not know me or the various things that I found myself involved in around the Southridge community, I'm a small group leader with our current program, so our senior high youth. And when Jeff asked me to be part of this series, I told my small group about it and what the premise was, and I asked them, what do you think Jesus is saying to the church? And this one kid piped up, no hesitation, and said, I think Jesus is saying, suck it. You know, like, sucks to be you, but you're on your own, or suck it up. Of course, they laughed. I laughed. We all laughed. We joked about whether or not Jeff would let me say suck it on stage. And then we moved on. But over the days and the weeks that followed, I just, I couldn't shake it. I couldn't stop thinking about the idea of feeling, even if they were partially joking, the idea of feeling that Jesus is just done with you. That you've been dumped in some field in the middle of nowhere and left to fend for yourself. And it, it really got me thinking about how so many of us throughout our lives, and especially during this pandemic season, can relate to that feeling of total isolation and loneliness, of being left completely alone. And maybe we feel like we've isolated ourselves, that we've withdrawn too far from our loved ones. Or maybe we do feel that God has completely and totally abandoned us. And in these times when you're faced with this complete and utter isolation, it can be so difficult to take a bigger perspective view and realize that God is actually always right there. Always. And that in the times that we feel lost or abandoned, that God is never far and it's actually just us who've wandered. And in fact, it's actually even more than that because truthfully, God isn't just near to us. He's coming after us. He's always chasing us and just longing to pour his love into us. We see this highlighted so perfectly in Matthew 18, the parable of the lost sheep. Look at it this way. If someone has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off, doesn't he leave the 99 and go after the one? And if he finds it, doesn't he make far more over it than over the 99 who stay put? Your father in heaven feels the same way. He doesn't want to lose even one of these simple believers. God loves us so much. And that love never wavers. He is constantly beside us, chasing after us and rejoicing when he finds us or when we turn to him. And it's more than just this one example. If we look a couple chapters later at the book of Luke, Jesus is gathered with a large group of people and he retells the lost sheep story. And then he also tells two other parables. The first parable of a woman who lost a gold coin and she searches her home endlessly until she finds it. And the second one of the prodigal son. He uh, asks his father for his inheritance. He spends it recklessly and loses it all. 
Then he plans to return to his father to ask to work as a servant. But instead, when he returns, his father forgives him and throws a feast in his honor to celebrate his return. Now, in the first two parables, the owner is actively and passionately searching for their missing item and doesn't rest until it's found. And then in the third story, the father lets his son have his time and make his own decisions, but he waits faithfully and longingly for him to come home. And when he does, he celebrates his return. Now, all three of these examples are true about God's love for us, how strong and passionate it is, how far he would go to chase us down, to never rest until we're found back safe in his embrace. No matter who we are or where we are, how far, how close, what decisions we've made, God loves us. Every single one of us, even and especially when we don't feel worthy. There are so many examples in the Bible about people who didn't feel worthy, but they were still chosen by God, sometimes specifically because they didn't feel worthy. In fact, if we look at Ephesians chapter 3, we see that Paul was one of these people. This is my life work, helping people understand and respond to this message. It came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise, God handling all the details. When it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. God saw to it that I was equipped, but you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. And so here I am preaching and writing about things that are way over my head, the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring out in the open and make plain what God along, who created this all in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Through followers of Jesus like yourself gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. Paul says he believes that he is the least likely to have been picked to do God's work, but that through God's grace, he was equipped. And I think that's maybe what we, or at least I, get stuck on sometimes, that feeling of not being worthy, especially when you're already isolated and maybe discouraged or feeling down about yourself. It can be so easy to slip further into feeling unworthy of love, affection, or attention. But in reality, we are all always and forever so worthy. God is aching to love us, to have us beside him, to wrap us up in his tender embrace, to chase us down and mark us his. Because the fierceness of God's love will follow you and find you no matter how far you've wandered. God's love for us has never been and never will be based on our circumstances, our season of life, our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, or even how tuned in to God we are. In everything we do, in every step we take, he is always with us. God's love is unyielding, unwavering, and undeniably powerful. Some of my favorite imagery of the power of God's love is the way that it's described throughout Isaiah. For I am the Lord, your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. 
I will help you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. For me, those are such beautiful pictures of a tender, loving God who will hold our hands, nurture us like small children, keep us safe from roaring water, searing flames, or any other challenges in life, and love us no matter what. Now, I know it's easy to sit here and listen to all these beautiful examples of God's love. And maybe you're saying to yourself, yeah, sure, that sounds great in theory. But it can be a whole other story when you're deep in the murky struggles. When you feel disconnected or like the world surrounding you is heavy and dark. So what does it look like to intentionally and consistently lean in to God's love, especially when it's hard? to quiet that voice in your mind or the voices around you, and instead try to turn to God, to be open to receiving God's love, to lean into all the good he has to offer you, all the love he can't wait to give you, to share that love with ourselves and then extend it out to our family, our friends, our loved ones, our enemies, our neighbors, our strangers, to just live life, love burst, heart open, full of the fierce love of God. What kind of world, community, relationships could we build by leading with love or putting love first? Letting our decisions and actions come from that deep place of God's love. To live out God's love the way Paul describes in Ephesians in a prayer on behalf of the Christians of Ephesus. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength. That Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet firmly planted on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. Paul is asking God to help the Ephesians live a faith that goes above and beyond. A faith that is fueled by a glorious inner strength given to them by God. Going past just knowledge, past just knowing what God's love is. And instead, going one step further to lean in and allow the love to not only fill them, but to spill out of them, extending into the lives of those around them. So 
how do we go about practically applying this fierce love to our relationships with God, with ourselves, and with others? We start by noticing what areas of our life need it the most. Where do we feel most distanced or unbalanced? Where we're struggling or where we feel challenged? Maybe taking some quiet time just within the space of your own soul, or maybe taking time to reflect with God and just naming those areas. And then finding what works for you to lean into that love of God. Now, there are so many ways that we can do this. So many different spiritual practices to test out and find out what works for you. Whatever allows you to feel most grounded, and most able to be open, honest, and sincere with God. Maybe this is something like going for a walk, or being in nature, or by the water. Maybe you turn to worship music. Maybe journaling, writing, reading, podcasts, talking with friends, mentors, talking to God, meditating. The options are endless. The key is to find what works for you. Whatever feels most comfortable and natural. And then within that quiet, honest space to take whatever is heavy and hand it off to God, exchanging instead for the lightness of God's love. Now, if you can really relate to feeling like God is telling you to suck it, like he's left you for dead, I want you to know that God is actively and intentionally pursuing you. Even if you're feeling like you don't deserve his love, just know that you are always worthy in his eyes and that he's chasing you with the fierceness of his unrelenting love. You don't need to convince him to love you. You just have to be open to the love that he is so eager to pour out on you. And I hope that every single one of us could take steps to open our minds and our hearts to the fierceness of God's pursuing love. We're actually gonna take a bit of time to practice that together today. Uh, a fun fact about me, uh, I'm a yoga teacher, and one of my favorite mindfulness and gratitude cultivating practices to do in my yoga classes is a practice called metta. Metta is a Sanskrit word that can be translated into loving kindness. And the whole idea behind this metta prayer or loving kindness prayer is to cultivate a sense of loving kindness within yourself and for yourself, and then in turn, share your love into the world around you. So as we go through this practice together, challenge yourself to remain open to God's love, to let it fill you and spill out of you into those around you. <laughs> 